0: Well, good morning. Glad to, to be here and to have this opportunity just to open God's Word with you and to spend some time. If you would, go ahead and open your Bibles to Psalm 1. Open your Bibles to Psalm 1. I'll open up in a word of prayer and then we'll begin. Father God, I pray that you would bless this time. pray that you would bless your Word. And we just thank you in advance for blessing your Word. We know that you bless your Word. This is what you have spoken. I pray this morning that we would not only hear the word, but that we would also heed the word. That it would, we would conform our hearts to it as well. And then name we pray. Amen. Well, one of my favorite activities, what I absolutely love doing, is hiking. How many of you love hiking? I'm just curious. How many hikers do we have here? Okay, good. You can relate to me, alright? I enjoy hiking. I remember specifically one of the first trips that I took, hiking. I went to Gatlinburg, Tennessee, and I was very excited. It's beautiful there. And uh, when you're hiking, there's just, there's nothing quite like just taking in the beauty of what's around you. And I was just thinking of this song that we just sang, and just seeing the beauty of God's creation as you're walking through. Now, one of the the difficulties that I, I faced, though, was I... I wasn't an experienced hiker when I went on this trip. I went day one and we went on a hiking trip to uh, really like just an average. Uh, it wasn't uh, an advanced trail by any means. So the hiking was I would say probably three or four hours. We got back and we said oh this is easy. We need an advanced trail. I mean give me something hard. So that's what we did day two. We set out to go on a hard trail because we're like, you know, this is easy. This is piece of cake." So we, we hiked, and uh, we hiked some more. We were walking, we stopped, we had lunch, We kept going. and we kept looking at our map that we bought, and we kept looking at the trail that we're on, and we're going, "Something's not right. This doesn't feel good. This trail looks nothing like the map. And I don't know where we are. We got lost. We had no clue where we were. We'd hike for hours and hours. Luckily we were able to make it back to our car by dark. I noticed that the people who were on this trail didn't have just day packs. They were there for like the weekend. So that was probably a good indication we were on the wrong trail because we were trying to make it back by dark. It wasn't until the third day that we actually made it to the trail that we wanted to, to do. Made it to this, uh, this beautiful fountain it was awesome. It was great. Uh, the waterfall was huge. And uh, we, we made it back, spent some time just in prayer. Uh, it was good fellowship. But I learned something on this trip. I learned something uh, a simple lesson. A simple lesson that I hope you will learn this morning. And that is if you want to make it to your destination, you need to know what path you're on. It's simple, right? That if you want to make it to your destination, that you need to know what path you're on. You need to have that discernment, that wisdom. And this morning, when we're going to look at Psalm 1, we're going to look at a psalm of wisdom. A psalm of wisdom. And the author of this psalm is trying to teach us an important lesson. That we need to know what path we're on. And that's the question I have for you this morning. What path are you on? The text only gives us two options. There's only two paths. There's the path of the righteous, and there's the path of the wicked. The path of the blessed man, the path of the happy man, and there's the path of the wicked. What I want you to do this morning is to think about what path are you on? Are you on the right path? Do you know what path they're on? So if you will, look with me to Psalm 1 as we're going to spend some time here this morning. He starts off and he says, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. There's two contrasting paths, two distinct paths there. The path of the righteous and the path of the wicked. One commentator writes, he says, It would seem to many that the author of this psalm was setting off on a fool's errand. I mean, imagine it, the man that intends to show that the person who devotes himself to living a godly and righteous life is the one that finds true happiness, while the one who lives without regard to God is the miserable person. The world has it the other way around. The God-devoted person is miserable, and those who live unshackled by thoughts of God find the fun. Time will prove the psalmist to be correct. The psalmist unfolds the happiness of the righteous along three lines. So, I want to take a few minutes and I want us to look at this path of the righteous and see how it is described for us in Scripture. And as we look at this, we need to to think about are we on this path based on the markers of this trail? So let's see, what, what indication there is that you are on the blessed path, the path of the righteous man? Verse 1, you'll notice that the righteous man, the blessed man, he declines the counsel of the wicked. He declines the counsel. He says no to their counsel. That's what it says in verse 1. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. The happy man declines the counsel of the wicked, who declines the advice of the wicked. Think about it for a moment. Where does your source of wisdom come from? Where does your source of wisdom come from? It comes from everywhere, right? it comes from your teachers and your faculty it also comes on your tv it stares at you in the screen it's teaching you something it's in the books you read and the movies you watch the list of advice with you know the use of internet alone it's limitless you have access to so much knowledge these days so many things and all these things are speaking to you and they're saying live like this it'll be fun You'll be glad you did it. But there's only two paths. And where is that counsel coming from? Which path is that counsel coming from? You must be very careful, young people, to what you listen to, to whom you seek advice from. Think for a moment, whom specifically do you seek advice from? Is your advice from your roommate or some friends Is it your parents or would it be a pastor? Who is it? Who do you seek counsel from the most? If you say, well, really nobody. uh, I'd challenge you to that. You get your counsel somewhere. Allow me to rephrase the question. Where do you spend your time? Who is around you the most? Because if you can identify who you spend the most time with, you will know whose counsel you're sitting under. Your friends are a pretty good reflection of the counsel that you're receiving. Those that you spend the most time with. Verse 1 we see that the blessed man declines the counsel of the wicked. He does not walk in the wicked's counsel. He doesn't stand in the way of the sinners. He doesn't sit in the seat of scoffers. That's implying a remaining with them, an abiding with them, enjoying their company. The scoffer, he's the one who has no regard for God. The scoffer hates all that are aligned with him. Everyone who sides with God. Now all three show progression, right? I mean, we don't just arrive at the seat of the scoffers by osmosis, right? I mean, we don't just happen to be there by happenstance. Those that we receive counsel from, it's not just by chance that we're receiving their counsel. It all starts with listening to the counsel of others. Giving in to the prayer pressure that surrounds you. Listening to and adhering to that advice. And then because you enjoy it, you receive that counsel. You take note of it and then you take it to the next level. You start to stand with them. And then that's not by accident. It's partly because of your desire to spend time with them. So you see the progression, right? You're walking by them. And then you stop and you stand and then you sit. We see that progression that's taking place here. The last stage is, you know, located at the seat of the scoffers. And that's where you find yourself just like them. Just like them. One who alienates themselves from God. This is where you are identified as a scoffer yourself. Now maybe you're saying, well, well, what's the point of this progression? What are you getting at? Let me me take a step back here. What's really going on here? Is this progression warning us not to walk because walking leads to, to standing and then, you know, sitting? Let me be clear. I don't think that's what's happening here in the text I think this is a description of not the blessed man and not a warning to him, but just saying that everything that this is describing is not something that he adheres to. He's not enticed by any of that. And rather that the progression that we see in here is is really a description of the path of the wicked. And it's saying they are so different from them. They are not even tempted by this. In fact, the more the righteous man declines the bad counsel, the happier he is. The progression is a description of the path of the wicked. It's just in direct contrast to the path of the righteous. And we who are godly, we who are righteous, are not on this path with these people. Students, you need to build your identity in Jesus Christ. And that that is who your Savior is. These are two completely different ways of living. And in one sense, it's describing, I think, even two different attitudes, two different attitudes towards the word of God. We see that described especially as we look at verse two. The Christian gets his worldview from, from where? From the word of God. That's why it says that, but his delight is in the law of the lord so not only does he decline the counsel of the wicked but he delights in the word of god his delight is in the law of the lord and on his law he meditates day and night let's look at the first part that the blessed man delights in the law what's it talking to what is the law here The law sometimes can refer to the Ten Commandments. Other times, it refers to the first five books of your Bible. But here in Psalm, I think it's also what's happening in Psalm 119, is that it is a reference to the whole Word of God. So the righteous man, he takes counsel and advice from the whole counsel of the Word of God. That's where he delights. He places himself underneath the authority of God's word. He lets this direct him in every way. He says, you lead and I will follow. He loves it. He gets tremendous joy out of reading the word. He spends time in it. He can't wait to read God's word. The word of God takes priority in his life because he longs for eternal life. He has an eternal perspective. He knows where this path is going to take him and where it's going to leave. He is not tempted by the live like this, do this, it'll be fun. He's so happy to refuse their counsel. He knows where he wants to go. He knows the path that he's going to be on. He treasures the word of God. The righteous man, the blessed man, the happy man is the one who not only delights in it, but he meditates on it. He meditates on it. Verse 2 describes this word meditate. It's, it, to meditate means to murmur, or to mutter, or to speak to oneself in a low voice. The commentator has remarked, he says, that the word of God has a joy for every sorrow and a truth for every situation. When those trials come, when those difficulties come, do you find yourself resting in the word of God, delighting in it? Or do you find yourself swallowed up by your circumstances saying, I can't do this. And the reality is you can't do this apart from God. Every final, every time when we come to our finals, we're reminded of that for like two weeks. Then when we get our grades and we find out it panned out for us okay, then when we forget that. Don't forget to delight in him. It's to happen all the time. It's to be what you do in your life. Young people, how do you delight in God's word? The text says that he meditates day and night. It doesn't just say he meditates some of the time. He meditates all the time. The blessed man doesn't go back and forth. One day looking to the word of God and then the next day looking for counsel elsewhere because he needs more relevant counsel. Something that's going to speak to him and is relevant for today. The word of God, young people, is timeless. It's timeless. That's the beauty of it. It's neat when you get to read books that are timeless and you see that you can read them again and again and their truth remains this is the absolute truth of the word of God and it remains true today it is relevant for you it teaches you so so far we have two characteristics about this path of the righteous the first characteristic was that he declines the counsel of the wicked second he delights in the word of God and third He does prosper because of what it says in verse 3. He is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season. Its leaf does not wither. And all that he does, he prospers. Something to notice here in the text is that the blessed man is planted by God. He is planted by God. You don't just arrive on the path by chance. No, you are permanently placed there by God. And the blessed man yields fruit, proving that he is of God. The man is happy. Maybe you're wondering, why do I keep using righteous, blessed, and happy all the same? What am I meaning by happy? What it means is that he's stable. He's fruitful. It's... Fruit is beautiful. Its leaf does not wither. It's what's being described here. And all all this is true because the man delights and he meditates on the Word of God. He prospers because he meditates and delights in the Word. Now, young people, it's not enough just that you meditate on the Word, that you're in it, if you don't delight in it. You need to delight in the Word. And the reality is that only happens if your heart is drawn towards it. If the Holy Spirit has done a work there. The blessed man delights and meditates on it. Allows it to direct him. Look at what this metaphor is describing. And all that he does he prospers. This doesn't mean that he's free from difficulty or tragedies, but it means that the man remains strong and stable even during those times. He understands James 1, 2, and 4. To count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. For you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness and let steadfastness have its full effect. That you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. That is a description of the happy man, the blessed man who delights in the word of God. He prospers in this way. He is unshakable. Now let's look at this other path. Let's look at the path of the wicked. How are they described? Look at verse 4. I want you to see this for your own eyes. Look at verse 4. The wicked are not so, but are like chaff that the wind drives away. In other words, they fall like chaff. This is a description of what the wicked are like. Notice the translation and how unlike the path of the wicked they are. The path of the righteous is awesome and he's happy. This is a great contrast. You have the tree that's planted and it's strong, but the wicked are like chaff. It's describing of a wheat meal where, where it's, the th- it's thrown up in the air, the seeds are thrown up in the air, and then the seeds fall. What's good falls to the ground. But the chaff, it's good for nothing, and it just blows away. It's gathered, it's gathered and burned. It's good for nothing. it has no purpose. And that's how the wicked are being described here as having no purpose. Note the distinction here. Notice the difference. The one's like a tree planted by flowing water. and the other is chaff that has no root to plant itself. It has no root. It doesn't stand firm. It's blown away. The tree, on one hand, produces fruit. And the chaff is good for nothing and burned. The description goes on of the wicked. Verse 5. Therefore the wicked will not stand in the judgment. Nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. The wicked will fail to stand in the day of judgment. What's literally being described here is, is saying they have no leg to stand on. The judgment They're being convicted and they have no advocate. They have no hope of rescue, no hope of escape from the judgment that awaits. They do not have an advocate through Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ intercedes for us. He is our atoning sacrifice. Through his blood on the cross, we can have hope and newness of life. We can become a new creature. All things can become new. But that is not so for the wicked. Those that choose to live apart from God and His people in this life will find that they have no part with them in eternity. That is true. It is important to be a part of a solid local church for this very reason or you're able to even daily be reminded of the word of God that was preached to you on Sunday and meditate and delight even on that. The wicked will not be able to stand with the righteous, therefore they will be judged. Lastly, let's look look at verse six and we see what the, the judge has to say. We see that the wicked, they fall like chaff, They fail to stand. We also see that they forever perish. Verse 6 says, For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. God knows the path of the righteous. He's familiar with that. He knows that path. But He does not know the path of the wicked. They will perish. Young people, assess your hearts this morning. What path are you on? I trust that if you're on the path of the righteous, that this morning was an encouragement to you. I trust that you're encouraged to know that God has planted you. I trust this causes you to be all the more thankful and happy. Knowing that you are stable, not because of your own strength, not because of your own might, but because of what Christ has done in you. I also trust that this passage will motivate you. Motivate you to cling to your roots. That as you delight in his word day and night, knowing that you are being conformed more and more to the likeness of your Savior. That should bring joy to you. Comfort to you. The word of God is something to delight in and meditate in. It helps direct you. however if you're here this morning and as I've described these two paths and you say I do not relate to the path of the righteous because I do not delight in his word I only do it out of obligation I don't enjoy it I'll well, assess your hearts this morning do you have a desire for God if not may this morning be the time where you would assess and say, if you are on the path of the wicked, that you would look to Jesus Christ, who's open his arms to you, welcome to you. That if you would confess and trust in him, repent of your sins, and have faith in him, he would cleanse you of all your sin. You could begin to have a relationship with him and be transformed by his word. I pray that that would be you this morning. And people, I cannot tell you what a help this text has been to me in my own life. That when trials come, when difficulties come, to look to the Word of God in all circumstances, to meditate on it. Reading is a gift, it is a gift, it's a common grace. Non Christians and Christians get to read. But we have the Word of God. This is God's Word. He speaks to us today. If you're wondering if He still speaks today, He does because we still have His Word. And this is how He speaks to us. Read it, delight in it, follow it, and be amazed at when He directs you. Be amazed. Daily as he helps you through each trial. As you prosper and push through adversity. I trust you will. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you for this morning. I thank you for the description of these two paths from Psalms. Lord, I pray that this morning that the students would have a clear understanding of what path they're on. Lord, that you would be doing a work in their hearts even this morning. I pray that you would do a work of encouragement for those that are reading their word and are enjoying it. I also pray for those who are struggling in it and find reading the word daily a struggle and a hard labor. And it is a hard labor. But Lord, may they press on and do it anyways because they know it's good for them. Because We know that this is your word and we don't want to just hear it. We want to heed it. We want to apply it to our lives. Lord, I pray that these students would grow in conformity to you and your son as they daily read the word. Amen.